everybody. I'm Pastor AJ Houseman, and welcome to 10 Foot Pole, a podcast to dig deeper into aspects of the Bible that get glossed over or totally ignored in most preaching. The Bible has a lot of parts that are racy, uncomfortable, and sometimes downright horrifying. Let's talk about it. Episode 2. Season 2, Episode 2. Um, I'm still just super excited for, for the second season. Uh, and joining us today, we have the Reverend Kelsey Fitting Snyder from St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Waco, Texas. Hello. Thanks. It's great to be back. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You're gonna be the you gonna be the the season two first return guest. That feels good to me. Season two, episode two. It's perfect. Second time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, how how's uh how's the weather down in texas for this nice christmasy time of year well right now it's actually seasonally appropriate it's in the 50s it's in the 50s and 60s today but last week it was in the 80s um which this time of year it will fluctuate a lot so on christmas day it could be anywhere between 35 degrees and 85 degrees wow yeah just a a whole broad spectrum there yeah it depends you know, I don't want to get into a conversation too much about climate change, but um, in my last winters in Iowa and Maryland have somewhat fluctuated in that same uh, same spectrum as well, which is not normal. But anyway. Yeah. And I mean, this is something really boring, um, but, you know, our property insurance went up like dramatically this year, like a lot of people's did. And part of the reason is because what they call the I-35 corridor in Texas Mm -hmm. has been seeing more extreme weather. So because of the extreme weather patterns, now it costs more to insure our building. Oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought about insurance increases because of the climate change issue. Hmm. Anyways, that's a fun conversation for some other podcast and not this one. Um, But anyways, uh, we're going to talk about today the gospel lesson for Sunday, December 4th, which is the second Sunday in Advent. Um, Folks have been following along with episode one. They heard all about, um, you know, Advent not being the just, you know, yay, baby Jesus, um, as we like to think that it is in our culture, cultural Christmas rather than our religious um, Advent. And how those can sometimes get smudged up. Um, but today we are going to journey back to the beginning of Matthew. And we're going to talk about John the Baptist, who is the, you know, the, the guy that comes before Jesus. Kind of lays, lays the groundwork from um, the Christian perspective for Jesus. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to read Matthew uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make the Lord's path straight. Now, John wore clothing from camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, bear, bear fruit worthy of repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I, and I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. That's how I always feel, too. Also, <laughs> um, this is, again, this is what we talked about last week. Is like It's like, yay, baby Jesus is coming, and like the rain's here, and it's cute, and, you know, the little baby in the manger, you know, because those things get meshed together sometimes. Um, and then we're over here, like, um, repent or die, you know. Um, yeah. You brood of vipers. Yeah. And I said, you know, I apologize. Like, if, if you have to preach, I am really sorry. It's because Advent's a tough time, right? Because people want to hear about baby Jesus, and that's not what we're talking about. Yes. And, well, this past Sunday, um, I mean, I know we're, like, podcast recording, but, like, it was all about, like, the end times and, like, temples falling and, um, yeah. It, what do we do with that? We're going to find out. Well, you know, there are some people that think we're getting a lot closer to those end times these days with, um, you know, all the increased um, frequency of our natural disasters, as well as, you know, maybe the intense uh, and violent situation that our political landscape looks like. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is the end. Maybe. This is we're the not. end. <laughs> Hold your breath and count to ten. Okay, that's some really bad Adele for everyone. That was really great, actually. Thanks. I do what I can. Mm -hmm. That's why yeah. they uh, don't pay me to sing on the podcast. Mm. Anyways, Johnny B. Johnny B. Who is also this known as character. John the Baptist? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I like to, you know, that's his, um, you know, that's his his nickname from friends like me, Johnny B. Mm -hmm. So uh, Johnny B is an interesting character, right? So we, we get this little one-liner about his clothing and his diet, uh, which is just kind of crazy. Like we're in the middle of like, these people are coming out and visiting him for baptism. He wears this and eats this. And then these people that were coming, you're like, wait a minute. What? How does that, how does that kind of like fit into the rest of it? Like it's just this weird sort of, just kind of sticks out in the middle of the the story right that we need to know exactly what he's wearing and what he eats it definitely sets the scene for his character um he's not like everybody else he's not supposed to be like everybody else um maybe he was a hipster before it was cool i don't that's, know you know that's definitely probably it right um it doesn't say but i bet he had some cool glasses too yes uh -huh, if you drew the, the 21st century John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. 
No, I, so it's, it's interesting. So like I was, I was trying to look into it. Cause I was like, is there, did anybody figure out like, what's the significance of this the most? Like there's obviously a lot of speculation. So the significance of the significance of his clothes is pretty much described the exact same way as uh, the way the prophet Elijah was um, dressed and, and presented himself in Kings. Um, but as far as his diet, I think we're just supposed to get out of it that like, oh man, he's like off the grid, like not concerning himself with all these worldly things like food. And that's what I got. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because of that, his words, it's, it's jarring to hear his words because like, if you think of you know, you almost hear this as like a street preacher, like repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the people that we, um, well, okay. You know, so here, I, I'll, I mean, yeah. sorry. I think about like, so our, our text for last week was really the mad eye moody, constant vigilance this week. I feel like Johnny B is like the little man from Minnesota. Get off my lawn. You know, you need to do these things now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But he's like out in the middle of nowhere. Yet people found him. How? This Why? Is a, these are very good questions. Yeah. Why? <laughs> you ask good questions. So I'm like somebody's like, yeah, man. There's like a crazy guy wearing a loincloth eating bugs out in the woods, um, preaching about stuff. I know. I would be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna drive the other way. For sure, don't want to be a part of that. Yeah, I think that's how like plots of terrible horrible scary movies start right um yes being lord yes um but that's where i think well i don't know what we how we want to get into this but i i just think i want to get into however you however you lay it out there right well that's how the wilderness itself is um a place of um discernment discovery um vulnerability mm-hmm. um you don't have the security of um i don't know the not wilderness no yeah you know you don't have shelter maybe out there like you know you don't have just like your your tap full of your water and stuff like you are you are you are more vulnerable um than you know in in the time of john the baptist as, as well as our own time right like yeah cell phone so- you can always get service out there. Yeah. So there's a, a rawness to being out in the wilderness. And rawness, that's a great, great descriptor. Yeah. And so, but it I, but that's where I, I think for me, and not for everybody, but it's in those raw and vulnerable places that change can happen and introspection can happen. And so when we're thinking about these big things like sin and repentance, you know, it's one thing to, you know, confess our sins every week in church, but it's another thing to actually change how we are in the world. And sometimes it takes those wilderness moments to um, drive that. Yeah. I mean, cause you're right. Like repentance is a hard thing. I think just like sin in general, um, the way that we talk about and, and, and even I think use sin a little bit in our, in our, uh, in our Christian society in this modern times, 
you know, you get like one of sort of two perspectives, I think ma- mainline mainstream sort of ideas, you know, you can disagree with me. It's fine. I think you have that <laughs> one sort of, um, you know, you named before we started recording the, the sin shaming that comes out of certain traditions of Christianity that like really hones in on that sin shaming. Yeah. Um, and, and guilt, I think there's like shame, guilt, and even like, um, condemnation, I think is what, mm-hmm. when we hear that and we, when we hear like that, that, you know, repent, um, or else, um, so do you know I what, think- what I have, uh, what I've seen a lot with, uh, kind of folks that subscribe to that kind of Christianity is I don't think what you get is less sinning. I think what you get is more secrecy, mm-hmm. um, and more sort of like when you, you adhere to the sort of shame environment, right? Like you don't want other people to think you're a bad person, right? So like you have to hide, hide more. Um, yeah. It's like this, um, uh, it's almost like a manipulation, like to justify like some sort of like moralistic yeah. agenda in some ways. I think we use it to, to identify morals well not we but like some versions of christianity like Mm -hmm. that's what it's about can i there's i don't remember who told me this story um but it was about a person who and and so this to me is like sort of a big display of kind of what this culture looks like um a man who smoked right but was you know adherence to christianity that like that's a sin you're not supposed to do it blah 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 makes you look bad blah all these things And so he was smoking and someone like from his church came like by where he was standing and he literally like clutched the cigarette and put it out in his closed fist so that they wouldn't see it. This to me is the epitome of this sort of like this, this sin shaming um, kind of Christian society that you get there. Right. Like if, if you do think smoking is a sin, right. It's not, it's not that people are doing it less, right? They yeah. are just being more secretive, I think, about behaviors. Yeah, there. I don't know the joke, so I shouldn't even just, like, say this. But there's all sorts of jokes here um, in this part of Texas about, like, Baptists in liquor stores and something about, like, when you see another Baptist in a liquor store, like, I don't know, they, they don't talk or they don't say anything or, like, they don't, like, see each other. Mm. something i told you i i don't know it but there's all sorts of jokes with that but it's again it's because like yeah in in some circles here in in this very high baptist and southern baptist Mm -hmm. because baptists are all different um place like being in a place like that would just be sinning and then if you had something in your cart like oh yeah you know it's 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 like this moral compass but sin is is so much deeper than well, that, that. Goes into, yeah like a broader structure of what sin is and how we think about it but first let's talk about so then you have this other side i think of this other view of sin um that i think lutherans are historically responsible for perpetuating a little bit i am gonna blame us mm-hmm. um you know if you see a nice beer mug that has a picture of martin luther on it it says sin boldly yeah you know you have this other perpetuation that like oh it doesn't matter because like you know, Jesus died. He took care of all of those things. So like, it's fine. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, which I also think that like, when you look at it that way, you're like, Ooh, 
yeah, that's really, you know, not great either. So where is it that we really kind of like live um, and respond to the realm of sin? Yeah. So what are the greatest two commandments? Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor. Right. And so I think at the heart of sin, in a lot of ways, like if we could just do those two things, love God and be open to God fully and love our neighbors fully, you know, we, things would be the way that they're supposed to be. But I think, so for me, the way I think about sin, and you can disagree with me, is just like anything that interferes with us being, you know, completely open to God, open to other people, open to the world, um, creation, ourselves. It's a disconnect from what we're supposed to be connected to. Maybe. I'm just sort of parsing this out as I'm talking. No, that sounds good. Uh, Yeah, I can definitely go along with that. I have kind of made my working definition of sin, you know, things that we either do or leave undone uh, that cause harm to our neighbors uh, Mm. or or ourselves or creation. Yeah. Um, It kind of alludes to that, that same thing, right? Of like, I think the true way that like how we would describe it as a Lutheran without the whole sin boldly bullshit is uh, these are the things that Jesus said, like, you know, you know, these, these are the, I give you this new commandment, right? Like, this is your goal. This is what I, I want you to do. This is what I'm asking you to do. This is what it means to, to love me, to love God, to live into it is to do these things. Mm-hmm. And so then anything that we do that like detracts, from that would fall into this more realm of sin yeah yeah and and in some ways it's not and it's not this like there's not a checklist of all these things and just 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 to be clear nor you know there's not this big checklist that says all of these things are sins right Mm -hmm. um so this working of like who decides what's a sin and what's not a sin is somewhat nuanced and you know um relative to your perspective mm-hmm. yeah for, and- for instance um i love to people go oh well there's the 10 commandments and it makes it very clear what you should and shouldn't do well does it actually um it might look that way in english but if we talk about the original hebrew um particularly there is a a word um in the the you know you should thou shall not kill right well this word for kill here is is one of a few different ways meaning taking life right um so then if you go immediately in a few chapters later there's actually a list of a bunch of totally acceptable reasons you should kill someone and 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 prescribe it right like this is what you should do if someone does this you should kill them okay mm-hmm. well what i thought we just said you're not allowed to do that yeah so there is no, you know, there is no absolutism. You know, this is why I, I think if you try to, if you try to really hone in on this black and white, this is totally right. This is totally wrong. You're going to run into some really some internal structures with the world because it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, where do you draw lines and, and things like that? Yeah. Something, I, something I was thinking about when, when you were talking to, and I, Thank you for the Hebrew lesson. That was exciting. Um, uh, Kelsey's not a pastor or anything, right? Oh, a Hebrew lesson. We get real excited about those. 
All right, continue. Sorry. I, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, so, um, well, yeah, they're different verbs. That's the whole point is like, they're, there's like this one specific verb, like, you know, cause God does a lot of killing too. Right. And there's a one mm-hmm. specific, the verb that says thou shall not kill that specific verb is the one that God never does. God does mm-hmm. all, all the other verbs of killing. Um, and some of those are prescribed, but this one specific verb. And I just like, I'm, I, I don't remember exactly what it is in, in the very specific difference, but like they had a bunch of different words for killing mm. and some of them are fine. That makes sense. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. No. Um, but I, w- sometimes in, in the confession, like we'll talk about things that we've done and left undone. And so in some ways, mm. like, yeah. so sin can be you know, these things that draw us away from each other and away from God, whatever that is. But I think it also might be like, um, maybe even like carelessness or apathy yeah. in some ways too. Well, so you're looking at, you know, now you're getting into the structure of looking at um, what we would classify in our scholarly world as corporate sins. Yeah. Right. So the things that we've talked about so far are individual sins. So there, there, there's a multiple nuance, right? Like there's, there are things that might, depending on how you would, you know, describe sin or what you would classify it as, we contribute to the sin of this world just by existing, mm-hmm. right? Like the clothes on our back, how were they made? Was that person treated fairly? Like, you know, um, the food that was grown, how, you know, so if you start to look into like the total structures of systems, um, you know, how much did you go shopping this week? Um, typically, um, you know, the capitalistic society of the, the United States is the amount that we contribute to it. Um, and the goods that we consume actually adversely affect um, other places in the world, particularly if you wanted to get back into the, um, the climate change stuff, um, how, you know, those of us that are, you know, more... I don't want to say like the 1%, right? But it is those that are like more economically um, affluent, our consumption and what we add to the world, we actually are causing damage to the lower, um, primarily persons of color and the third class parts of this world. Yeah. Um, There's a really great example of this in the show, The Good Place. And I don't want to like ruin The Good Place if people haven't seen The Good Place. But there's this guy that is supposed to be like the epitome of like doing everything good because he sort of lives off the grid and like every like has all these like right qualities. And then they realize that the world is so nuanced that not even this guy that is supposed to be an example is, mm-hmm. you know, um, destined for certain things. Again, I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to spoil the show that's very vague but i've seen the the good place so i know what you're talking about um yeah so why it's actually this would be a good um thing to talk about in relation to to sin and the world so yeah it's a a good good show it is yeah which this may be a good segue to then talk about all of this like burning and fire and yeah the unquenchable fire well, first, before we get in that, uh, I want to add to, you know, sort of our resources, um, just some things that we've been talking about with um, this sin and stuff is the book Resisting Structural Evil uh, by Cynthia Mo Libido, uh, Libida, not Libido, Libida. Um, uh, I will add that when the resource page launched, it will definitely be listed there because um, it really dives into um, this, this, this structural evil and um, how 
we contribute to, to a sinful system, whether we realize it or not. And that, um, our actions, not our individual actions, but our collective actions, that those may be more important to focus on than our individual who's smoking cigarettes or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the unquenchable fire. That's why I love that. I, I, love, I love this idea that things have to burn. Well, so I, I actually don't know if this is like, we have... Um, we have we have used the word fire. So this is a historical change that happened with understanding what fire may have meant to this original audience than what it means to us. So we have, you know, sort of romanticized, uh, you know, like the heaven and hell thing a, a, a little bit. Um, there is an episode in the first season. I can't remember which one because, uh, you know, that's almost two years ago now um, where we talked about, you know, the different perspectives of heaven and hell. I think it was with yeah. Pastor Melissa. Yeah. I don't think, I, I don't think, oh, go ahead. I, oh, but no. to say that like this modern idea that we have is hell being this like burning place and stuff. Like this is not um, totally a biblical perspective, but this is something that's come out culturally over time and that we have perpetuated with, with books, with TVs, with movies. So when we hear this fire, the burning and unquenchable fire, right? Like this, this has more of a, you know, a visceral reaction to us than it would have been. Yeah. And I don't think of this like unquenchable fire. I don't, I don't understand this in this, um, verse as hell. I I'm, I think for, um, parts of us that are unwilling to change those parts of us that, you know, for some reason we, we try to repent and try to change and try to turn around and we can't, um, that those parts of us need to, to be burned that like, maybe not like literally but well no i think you can use like uh so to use a farming uh, i'm gonna use some some farming uh terminology metaphors here um to say what one thing with it of sort of like this this part that's being burnt right so what happens when we're like um you know taking apart the grain right so the wheat so like the head of the wheat where the actual like seed grain part is that comes off right and mm-hmm. we collect that and that's the part that they they mill down we make flour bread whatever the rest of it this like leftover stock is the chaff so this is like the unusable part of the plant right so like it's a bunch of trash what do we do with the unusable part of the the plant right like the idea that they're you know cleaning the floor and they're throwing all this unusable part of the plant in the fire well yeah that just makes sense that's logical you know burning it to 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 you know keep warm even or to use this if we're using it to cook or we're using it to boil water or or mold metal or what there's lots of useful reasons for you to put an unusable plant in a fire um and and the the word that's unquenchable here is like this is an everlasting fire right so this Mm -hmm. is a continual fire so in in your household in your village and your whatever you would most likely have continually had a fire going all the time for all the purposes that we just talked about. Um, so it's not this like totally unreasonable thing that's happening. Like, yes, obviously. So if you think about it from this perspective of the first, you know, listeners, they'd be like, yeah, that that's what you would do with that. That makes sense. Right. 
Um, but a modern, like I would say, you know, perspective on, on burning things away is, you know, you have a field, right? So you'll have once a year or so, um, usually in the spring before like the new grass or new field will come in, um, they'll actually do controlled fires and burn away the old so that there's room for the new to come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I just, I'm, I'm just so drawn to this idea of the the unneeded crap of our world of our lives you know will be well and I think you named it right so if you're thinking about this grain and that we're separating so we have the fruitful part and we have the unfruitful part it's not that we're separating out people that we're saying like well you're the good grain and you're the chaff no what we're saying is is that each of us in our own as a full human as a full plant you know, we have this fruitful part and we have the unfruitful part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to maybe, you know, burn away the unfruitful part to make room for new. Yeah. And I think it just makes us uncomfortable because it takes mental energy for us to um, dive into ourselves personally. And- you have to be vulnerable. Yeah, you got to go out in the wilderness of yourself. You have to be vulnerable to identify that, right? That's why very uncomfortable to say these are the parts of me that are following these commandments of Jesus, and these are the parts of me that aren't. Yeah, and and you know there there is a little bit of like judgment in I I think in Johnny B's tone here, and and I think we often just like associate this judgment with like that condemnation, that guilt, and that shame. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in some ways when we judge, it's it's really to see ourselves more clearly and to know what is is actually true, to name a thing for what it is. You know, mm-hmm. we like to say that in the Lutheran church too. Um, you got to be raw, right? Like yeah. that idea of being raw. Yeah. And so John the Baptist is, you know, proclaiming that Jesus is coming and that for us to be ready, maybe we need to be raw because yeah. to res- like this Jesus is coming who is going to know us so deeply and know us to our core um, in some ways that, yeah, that the wilderness is the place would be the place to, to do that. And um, it's not this judgment of, of condemnation, but it's this being of, of who we are. Um, and that takes a lot of mental energy and we don't like to do it. Well, Um, it goes back to that whole, you know, we sort of that, that secrecy and hiding things, you know, that, that we do with other people. Cause we, you, you, we want, we put up a facade, right? Like we want people to think this of us. We want people to think, you know, that, you know, these certain parts of us, um, which has been aided, I think, uh, by social media in the, in the mm -hmm. past decade, right? Like. You yeah, can, well, you can very and, clearly just like put up this this front, right? This is what I want people to see. Um and then when we get caught up in that image of ourselves, right? Like we're no longer we're no longer raw. We're no longer being able to be honest. Yeah, and that's why he calls out the Pharisees and Sadducees um you brood of vipers. Like you're not doing this to bear good fruit. Um you're you're doing this because I don't know, out of inauthenticity um, yeah. to, to do it. Um, well, to get the reward, right? So yeah. the, uh, 
the the language here the the uh oh, i gotta move my page the language here the you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath so the word for for warned there um in the greek is to, is to reveal a secret so who revealed to you the secret that you needed to to be doing this mm-hmm. just yeah just just calling them out because why are they doing it is it for the right reasons um, mm-hmm. and, and most likely not, as we, uh, know in our gospel lessons, um, that typically, uh, the authors kind of, butt their theology against the Pharisees and Sadducees quite a lot to use as a comparison and contrast, um, that these people have wrong theology, but the author of the gospel has the correct theology. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and, and these leaders, these Sadducees, <laughs> Pharisees and Sadducees are trying to use sort of like their human um, uh, measures of success. You know, they're Abraham's offspring. So um, that, that's their status. And they're trying to use that as their sort of like weigh-in or, um, um, you know, well, we don't, we don't need this. Um, and so, well, so you draw a good part of also then how we sort of pit, um, you know, the Hebrew scripture, what we call the Old Testament against this, this New Testament with the coming of Jesus Christ is these Pharisees and these Sadducees are a part of this class. They're part of this, this house of Israel, right? Like, so the, the Old Testament is the story of the, of the, the, the house of Israel, these, these people, this is very specific focused story, right? Like there's a lot of, you know, there are more Jews, but these are the ones that very specifically we hear their story. And so these people are like, well, we're part of this. We are part of the children of Abraham. Like we're, you know, we're in this classification. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what we experience with the gospels is sort of like, oh, well, it's not just for you. It's for everyone. Yeah. And, and I think for those people living back then and for us now, I'm going to draw this parallel. Um, repentance is harder when we are already comfortable with mm. the current order of things yeah. and the way that the world works. Um, if that, yeah. if that system is benefiting us, like maybe the Pharisees and Sadducees system is benefiting them. Yeah. Um, we don't want to look at it and say that it's bad and that we need to repent from it. Not that that religion is bad. I don't want to draw that parallel. Um, but just systems of the church, systems of the world, you know, racism, sexism, whatever. Um, we don't want to, if we're benefiting from those things, and then it's uncomfortable to have to repent and change. Mm-hmm. That means we have to do something else we have to change that's the repentance piece like you name it we're out in the wilderness we're raw we identified it and it's the change it's doing something about it which you know we just had an election recently i would say that voting you know is one of the ways that we exercise our change to say oh these practices are um unjust right like Mm -hmm. how do we we vote to make change Mm -hmm. that's just one example that's an easy one yeah yeah, and it's um, it starts with us. It starts with us evaluating systems, who's there, who's not, and um, 
doing it in an authentic way. Um, yeah, I don't know where else I was going with that thought, but no, that's good. The authentic way of being our, you know, that's just this idea that you draw out of being authentic of being raw is, is the most important when it comes down to this. Um, and I think too, with, um, you know, sort of this time of year and people are like extra giving and going to the soup kitchens and all those sorts of deals. Um, great, great stuff. Um, why are you doing it though? Is this, is this, you know, is it part of your facade or is it mm -hmm. part of the raw you making repentance? Yeah. I think those are very different, um, ways of, uh, approaching you know following jesus yeah and so of course this would be an advent text for reading <laughs> of course so, it would i so i'm trying to spice it up a little bit um you know this is i i hope that someone's listening to this in their car that they got the notification that the episode dropped and they were in the middle of listening to their favorite mariah carey christmas album and they stopped they put on the podcast and then they're like, oh, Pastor AJ is talking about this shit again. Um, mm -hmm. And then they think for a while and then they can go back to listening to their questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I love um, what I would call, I call it commercial Christmas. Um, my house is already decorated. I decorated the first week of November um, because that's good for my soul. Um, but there is a, uh, I do have a, a compartmentalization in my brain, um, when it comes to, to Advent, because it is important to sit in these moments, these contemplative times, um, these longing times, um, for how, how is Jesus being in the world, coming into the world, changing the way I live and who I am? Mm. And having time to do that, because personally, I don't like to think about that. I like to just go about my life. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Look at my Christmas lights and my snowmen and look how great things are. Um, but actually not. And um, I think Advent gives us that space. Yeah, and it should. Um, and, I, and I think that that actually is probably up there and the most important things that we do is we talk about preparing for, for Christmas is preparing ourselves and what that looks like. And that's exactly what it is. That's all John's asking us to do. In his own way. Yes. There's, there's a, um, when I was thinking about John the Baptist um, and just like the picture I have in my mind of like who he would be in the world today, there's a, um, religious leader. I, I don't exactly know what religion he is. Some of my Waco um, clergy know, know him, but he used to stand over a bridge that was over I-35. That bridge doesn't exist anymore. So now he stands over this bridge um, on a, a busy, you know, four lane um, main road in, in Waco. Um, he has these two staves and he like does like these motions with these staves. And I didn't know what to make of it at first. And like people are just like driving under him and he's just like doing stuff with these staves. Um, and uh, I didn't know if he was blessing us or cursing us or what. 
Um, but later, Bren said that um, that that know who he is. Um, he he is just praying for everyone, anyone that like comes through. And but he he dresses differently. He he doesn't look like a religious leader would look. I'm putting that in quotation marks. I realize that people can't see that because this is a podcast. The listening thing. Yeah. It's a listening thing. <laughs> um, but uh, I just see him as sort of Waco's John the Baptist. He's not yelling anything, um, but just this sort of, I don't know, out there guy doing his his thing. Yeah. He just expresses it a little bit differently than um, you would be used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all Johnny B's doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, I mean, that's why I say he's, he is preparing, you know, we talk about when him being prepared for, for Jesus, right? The, the coming of the one who's going to do things very different than what they're used to seeing. Right. And as we know how that story ends, ultimately it gets him killed. But uh, so it's, it's, you know, just kind of off that beaten path a little bit. Yeah. Do you think he felt a lot of pressure? Jesus or John the Baptist? John the Baptist. Do you think he felt a lot of pressure? Uh, I don't know. I I literally never thought about that before. That's interesting. Well, you're just like, yeah, it was his job to like prepare people for like Jesus coming. And, you know, like he's the, the older cousin and he's the yeah well he also would have been you know as you know he would have been uh he would have been a priest inherently right i think he was a part of was he a levite priest no i don't don't know i think well anyways because like that's what his dad did and so like it's a you know sort of like he he's a pk right like he would have been mm-hmm. sort of like groomed for this too um so i don't know i think about yeah. that, pers- that perspective right of like this is kind of just sort of like his whole life this is the thing that he was gonna do if anything i think it might take some pressure off right like like oh good mm-hmm. thing don't worry my cousin's the one who actually has to do all the really hard work <laughs> that's true yeah my job yeah. is just to tell you about it yeah no, but well, he called a lot of things out too, right? That's the you know that's sort of like that's how that's how John got killed, right? Was calling people out on on their shit. So, yeah, I don't know. He- he's a, he is a very uh, prominent figure um, in in multiple religions, right? Like when we talk about Abrahamic religions, we usually focus on you know the big free big three: Christianity, Islam, and. Uh, judaism um but there's like more uh when people kind of so this you know this centralized uh near middle east right when people started to spread and go all the different tribes like you know even um abraham actually had you know quite a few sons right and they just they went they went west that's all we know they go west (laughs) um and you know there are other figures the same thing like we follow a certain lineage in um in the bible but there are all these other sects that also still proclaim and believe in the same God and have similar scriptures and similar stories and things like that. They just had, they just had a different book, like a different set of people wrote things down. 
Um, so like these figures still show up in these places. Um, and mm-hmm. so John the Baptist is quite revered and there's actually, I can't remember exactly what they are called, but, um, there is actually a, a religion that they thought, you know, that Johnny B was the one that was being spoken about in Isaiah. Like they didn't, they totally disregarded Jesus. They thought this was the guy and, and followed him. Um, and so his death as he was killed was proclaimed as that same thing. So like, it's, it's kind of wild um, in how he shows up in the different perspectives. Obviously, you and I um, understand him from a Christian perspective and that his job was to tell us about Jesus. Um, but that's also one perspective of what his mission was. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like we've gone down a hole, but <laughs> I could go down this all day, though. It's fun. Anyway. Yeah. Um, thank you, Kelsey, for uh, coming and talking to us today. Um, and again, this is a listening thing, so people can't see you. Um, but Kelsey has a microphone that uh, looks certainly like a, a droid off of Star Wars, uh, especially like the front of it. Like, I think it's literally something I saw on Andor. But I think it's it's called a blue ball. A blue ball. Yeah. It's white. I know. But I think it's... Um... It says, oh, on the front, it says blue. Wow. Interesting. Oh, it just got unplugged too. Helpful. Okay. Anyways, I can't hear you anymore. (laughs) That's good. We'll call it a day. Kelsey's out. Um, I think I'm back. Oh, there you are. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I borrowed this from the Baylor library um, because my husband works there, so. Well, it's great. I'm glad that, that you you have that droid there. Anyways, um, thanks for joining us again. And uh, you can learn more about the 10-Foot Pole Podcast at uh, 10footpolepodcast.com and find us on Facebook and Instagram at 10-Foot Pole Podcast and wherever you listen to podcasts. And 10-Foot Pole Podcast is a ministry of the Delaware, Maryland Synod. To learn more, go to demdsynod.org. Uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>